Welcome to Speaking Tales, an audiobook initiative by Rotary Club of Dombivli Sun City. Each week we will bring you a new story through Speaking Tales which we are sure will keep you hooked. Sometimes we will read you short stories, sometimes an entire book as the time permits. I'm your host and reader Rotractor Amdi Neve for this week's short story. Today I am going to read a short story from O Henry's 100 selected stories. So enjoy the read. Memoirs of a Yellow Dog. I don't suppose it will knock any of you people off your perch to read a contribution from an animal. Mr Kipling and a good many others have demonstrated the fact that animals can express themselves in remunerative English and no magazine goes to press nowadays without an animal story in it. Except the old style monthlies that are still running pictures of Brian and the Mont Pelee horror but you need not look for any stuck up literature in my piece such as Beru the bear and Snakeu the snake and Tamannu the tiger talk in the jungle books a yellow dog that spent most of his life in a cheap new york flat sleeping in a corner on an old satin underskirt the one she spilled port wine on at the lady longshoreman's banquet must not be expected to perform any tricks with the art of speech I was born a yellow pup. Date, locality, pedigree and weight unknown. The first thing I can recollect, an old woman had me in a basket at Broadway and 23rd trying to sell me to a fat lady. Old Mother Hubbard was boosting me to beat the band as a genuine Pomeranian, Hamiltonian, Red Irish Cochin China Stoke Pogis Fox Terrier. The fat lady chased a wee around among the samples of gross grain flannelet in her shopping bag till she cornered it and gave up. From that moment I was a pet. A mama's own would see squidlums. Say gentle reader, did you ever have a 200 pound woman breathing a flavor of camembert cheese and pozza spagnio pick you up and wallop her nose all over you, remarking all the time in an MIM tone of voice, "Oh oh, um oodlum doodlum woodlum toodlum bitsy witsy squidlums?" From a pedigreed yellow pup I grew up to be an anonymous yellow cur looking like a cross between an angora cat and a box of lemons but my mistress never tumbled she thought that the two primeval pups that noah chased into the ark were but a collateral branch of my ancestors it took two policemen to keep her from entering me at the madison square garden for the siberian bloodhound prize i'll tell you about that plat The house was the ordinary thing in New York, paved with Parian marble in the entrance hall and cobblestones above the first floor. Our flat was three, well, not flights, climbs up. My mistress rented it, unfurnished, and put in the regular things: 1903 antique upholstered parlor set, oil chrome of geishas in a Harlem tea house, rubber plant, and a husband. By serious, there was a biped I felt sorry for. He was a little man with sandy hair and whiskers a good deal like mine. Henpecked well toucans and flamingos and pelicans all had their bills in him. He wiped the dishes and listened to my mistress tell about the cheap racked things that lady with the squirrel skin coat on the second floor hung out on the line to dry. And every evening while she was getting supper she made him take me out on the end of a string for a walk. 
men knew her women passed the time when they are alone they would never marry Laura Lean Jibe Peanut brittle a little almond cream on the neck muscles dishes unwashed half an hour talk with the ice man reading a package of old letters a couple of pickles and two bottles of malt extract one hour peeking through a hole in the window shade into the flat across the air shaft that's about all there is to it 20 minutes before time for him to come home from work she straightens up the house fixes her rat so it won't show and gets out a lot of sewing for a 10 minute plug i led a dog's life in that flat most all day i lay there in my corner watching the fat woman kill time i slept sometimes and had pipe dreams about being out chasing cats into basements and growling at old ladies with black mittens as a dog was intended to do then she would pounce upon me with a lot of driveling poodle palaver and kiss me on the nose but what could i do a dog can't chew cloves i began to feel sorry for hubby dog my cats if i didn't we looked so much alike that people noticed it when we went out so we shook the streets that morgan's cab drives down and took to climbing the piles of last december's snow on the streets where cheap people live one evening when we were thus promenading and i was trying to look like a price saint bernard and the old man was trying to look like he wouldn't have murdered the first organ grinder he heard play medelson's wedding march i looked up at him and said in my way what are you looking so sour about you oakum trimmed lobster she don't kiss you you don't have to sit on a lap and listen to talk that would make the book a musical comedy sound like the maximum of epictetus you ought to be thankful you are not a dog praise up benedict and bid the blues be gone the matrimonial mishap the matrimonial mishap looked down at me with almost canine intelligence in his face Why doggy says he good doggy you almost look like you could speak what is it what is it doggy cats cats could speak but of course he couldn't understand humans were denied the speech of animals the only common ground of communication upon which dogs and men can get together is in fiction in the flat across the hall from us lived a lady with a black and tan terrier Her husband strung it and took it out every evening, but he always came home cheerful and whistling. One day, I touched noses with the black and tan in the hall, and I struck him for an elucidation. See here, wiggle and skip, I says. You know that it ain't the nature of a real man to play rhinos to a dog in public. I never saw one leash to a bawa yet that didn't look like he would like to lick every other man that looked at him. But your boss comes in every day as Pokey and set up as an amateur prestidigitator doing the egg trick. How does he do it? Don't tell me he likes it. Him says the black and tan. Why he uses nature's own remedy. He gets spiffied. At first, when we go out, he's as shy as the man on the streamer who would rather play Pedro when they make him all jackpots. By the time we have been in eight salons, 
he does not care whether the thing on the end of his line is a dog or a catfish i have lost 2 inches of my tail trying to sidestep those swinging doors the pointer i got from that terrier waterville please copy set me to thinking one evening about 6 o'clock my mistress ordered him to get busy and do the ozone act for lovey i have concealed it until now but that is what she called me the black and tan was called tweetness i consider that i have the bulge on him as far as you could chase a rabbit still lovey is something of a nomenclature tin can on the tail of one's self respect at a quiet place on a safe street i tightened the line of my custodian in front of an attractive refined salon i made a dead ahead scramble for the doors whining like a dog in the press dispatches that lets the family know that little alice is bogged while gathering lilies in the brook why darn my eyes says the old man with a grin darn my eyes if the saffron colored son of a sells a lemonade ain't asking me in to take a drink let me see how long's it been since i saved shoe leather by keeping one foot on the footrest I believe I will. I knew I had him. Hot scotches he took sitting at a table. For an hour he kept the Campbells coming. I sat by his side rapping for the waiter with my tail and eating free lunch such as mama in her flat never equal with her homemade truck bought at a delicate store 8 minutes before papa comes home. When the products of Scotland were all exhausted except the rye bread The old man unwound me from the table leg and played me outside like a fisherman plays a salmon. Out there he took off my collar and threw it into the street. Poor doggy, says he. Good doggy. She shan't kiss you anymore. That's a darn shame. Good doggy, go away and get run over by a streetcar and be happy. I refused to leave. I leaped and frisked around the old man's legs, happy as a pug on a rug. You old flea-headed woodchuck chaser," I said to him. "You moon-baying, rabbit-pointing, egg-stealing old beagle! Can't you see that I don't want to leave you? Can't you see that we are both pups in the wood, and the missus is the cruel uncle after you? Why not cut that all out and be pars forevermore? Maybe you'll say he didn't understand. Maybe he didn't." But he kind of got a grip on the hot scotches and stood still for a minute, thinking. Doggy, says he finally, we don't live more than a dozen lives on this earth, and very few of us live to be more than three hundred. If I ever see that flat anymore, I'm a flat. And if you do, you're flatter. And that's no flattery. I'm offering sixty to one. That westward hoe wins out by the length of a dash hound. There was no string, but I frolicked along with my master to the twenty-third street ferry, and the cats on the route saw reason to give thanks that prehensile claws had been given them. On the Jersey side, my master said to a stranger who stood eating a currant bun, "Me and my doggy, we are bound for the Rocky Mountains." But what pleased me most was when my old man pulled both of my ears until I howled and said, 
you common monkey-headed rat-tailed sulfur-colored son of a doormat. Do you know what I'm going to call you? I thought of Flubby, and I whined dolefully. I'm going to call you Pete, says my master. And if I had five tails, I couldn't have done enough wagging to do justice to the occasion.